Hey Mamas, we see you doing all the things, like wiping the runny noses while washing the dishes, trying to schedule the doctor's appointment, and still pay attention to that conference call. And then we see you feeling all of the feelings, that sigh of relief at the end of the day, when for at least 30 seconds, the house is completely quiet. The guilt you feel over the books that you didn't read or the kind words that you didn't say. We know that the collision between motherhood and mental health is a real thing, and not enough people are talking about it. So come have a chat with us. Grab your favorite dinner that doesn't require you to do the dishes and take a seat on our couch. This is Takeout Sessions. Hey guys, welcome back to Takeout Sessions. We are doing a very special edition tonight of a coffee chat. We have a guest with us. Her name is Brittany Mink, and we're going to introduce her. We're super excited to talk about being in the goop and explaining all the things about that. Uh, so we are very excited to have her and learn more about her. I wanted to open us with a quote that I heard when we were kind of going through and talking about all the things that we wanted to mention on this episode. And it's supposedly by Albert Einstein, but apparently there's some controversy over whether he actually said this or not. But he said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solutions. And I thought that was really cool as we go into what we're talking about tonight, which is kind of the impact of COVID on motherhood, something we've danced around a lot on our show. But we thought that it would be really cool to talk a little bit more about the solutions because we talk a lot about the problems, but sometimes we don't always talk about the solutions to go with it. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Thanks, ladies. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Okay. So the most important question before we get going do you have a coffee? Because it's a coffee chat and we cheated tonight. We don't have coffee. We have sweet tea because it is like 95 degrees in Virginia right now. Oh, it is hot. super hot. I'm in um, Illinois and it is crazy hot today and humid. So I have some like flavored water that I am definitely enjoying tonight on this hot night. I love it. I love it. Yes. Oh. So has it been like record breaking temperatures where you are this week too? It's been so bad here. It's been, oh, it was over a hundred and then the humidity is just crazy. So you just get out there and you're just sticky and gross and it's really hot. Yeah. So we wanted to learn some more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, I am married to my husband for 16 years. I have five kids. My twin boys are almost 15, and I have a nine-year-old son, a seven-year-old son, and a three-year-old daughter, so four boys and one girl. We are a military family. We are currently living in Illinois. We just moved back to the States from England last summer, so we lived overseas for three years, including during 2020 and 2021, so that was really interesting. And I'm currently a stay-at-home mom, but I'm also a writer and a podcaster myself. So those things keep me busy, but mostly it's the kids. Somebody was like, well, what do you, what do, you do for work? And I'm like, well, I have five kids, so I'm basically their slave. So that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we each have two, but we feel you on that. So I can't, like some days I can't imagine having more. Okay, so this is, this is a question we always ask people who have more than we do. Was there a number where you're like okay, it doesn't matter. We're just adding another kid. So I always, I always just joke. Somebody the other day, she said, I can't imagine having more than one kid. And I'm like, yeah, five is a lot. And people always say, you must really like kids. And I'm like, well, I kind of just really like my husband. And we, <laughs> 
So we do that's a fantastic answer. Yeah. I just really like him a lot and we have five kids and we, we always say we spent our whole marriage trying not to get pregnant and we have five kids. So um, that's just the way that it's gone. We definitely like, we had our twins and then we thought we were going to be done. And then we thought, okay, we'll have one more five years later. And we thought if it was a girl, then we'd be done. And then we're like, okay, well this little guy, he needs like a buddy to grow up with. And we had one more and then we were definitely done. And then our daughter was a surprise. And my husband got a vasectomy while I was pregnant with her. So we were, were really done now. (laughs) <laughs> so you're, and you guys found out you were pregnant right after you moved to England, right? Yes. Yeah. That was tough. It was really tough. So like so many things at one time, man. And Brittany does have a podcast that I love to listen to and we'll get all of her information linked at into our description, but also we'll let her share a little bit more information about that at the end. But what do you like to do for fun? We didn't hit that so one. So when you guys had this question, I was like, oh, I can't answer this question because I feel like, what do I do for fun? <laughs> I feel like I'm just like mommying all day long. I was like, I do yoga, but that's like for my mental health. And then sure. I'm like, what else do I do? Um, I do like to read. I've been watching a lot of like Netflix lately, and that's been fun. Like I've been watching. Yes. Married at first sight, and my husband just teases me about my trash TV. But I'm like, no, this is this is prime drama that's not happening in my life, but I can get fully emotionally invested in this. Okay, all the time. My husband does the same thing. He's like, why are you like funding this with your views? And I was like, listen, they know that they're on TV. They know that they're acting crazy, and they're getting paid for it. It makes me feel so much more normal. I do like to sew too, and I do sew quite frequently, but I also do that for like paid work. That's also yeah. like my, I have an Etsy shop. So I'm like, what do I do that's just for me? So I got to tell you, like that was, that was a hard question for me to answer. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. So maybe, maybe with all the things that you do, you would take a nap for fun. Do you ever get to like take a break and take a nap? <laughs> okay. I'll tell you this. I tried to take a nap today because we were at a picnic out in that horrible heat over lunch. Oh. We came home and I'm like, I've just got to lay down because I had a podcast interview this afternoon for my own podcast. So I'm like, I'm going to lay down for 30 minutes. And I had mm-hmm. to break up two fights during that 30 minutes. So it wasn't really yeah. relaxing. So that's just kind of the reality is like, you got to snatch the rest while you get it, but you're also like doing the mom thing all day long. So, so moms don't get days off. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. It is the thing yeah. is so part, a, a huge part of your podcast is talking about the goop. And then the episode that we listened to that we based a lot of our discussion for our episode off of was literally called we're in the goop. So can you tell us a little bit about the goop? What's the goop? Yeah. So the goop is a metaphor that I use for my podcast. It's called the motherhood metamorphosis. So I opened my podcast with talking about how a caterpillar inside the chrysalis literally dissolves into goop in during its transformation into a butterfly. And so we talk about motherhood being this transformational process as a woman. And so if you are, you're literally dissolving your previous self before you had a child or even your next child, or even my fifth child, I felt like I was in the goop in this transformational process. And so when you're in the goop, you're in this intense transition on your way to becoming somebody new. And so it can be a time where you're really uncomfortable, a time where you kind of just want to get out of it, or you want to go back, but you can't go back anymore and you can't move forward because you just have to let the growth have its time. And so, yeah, using the goop as a metaphor for motherhood is 
a really huge theme of my podcast as we tackle different topics. I love it. And I love how it so specifically relates to this topic, which is how COVID has shaped motherhood. And we were listening to a few snippets again to refresh because guys, we have tried to get with Brittany. This is the third time is the charm. Literally the first time I had a COVID exposure, literally hours before we were going to interview and we had to bump it. And then last week we were all just running ragged with our children. So it's the goop. It's the goop that we're all experiencing, but we were kind of going back through some of those points and it's so cool the way that you're able to describe in this episode episode how motherhood transformations really are similar and parallel to the transformations that we've experienced through COVID. So definitely go check out the motherhood metamorphosis and the specific episode is named We're in the Goop and it's amazing. But all of her stuff is really, really cool. So we were going to hit some highlights because you know we like numbers are you laughing at me? I am. Come on, listen. I it's, just, it's just a few numbers. Would you Would you like to do um, the numbers? Be my guest. So with the um, pandemic, I think that it's really going to be years before we see the full effects of studies and research and all of this stuff. But what we do know is there was a study that the New York Times did in 2021, and they said that almost 70% of mothers say that worry and stress from the pandemic has damaged their health. They didn't expand on what that was, but I would imagine physical and mental health was included in that. And then there was another study of 900 women that was done in June 2020. Remember June 2020 when we all thought this was going to be like done? Do you, do you remember do. summer of 2020 when we're like, okay, just a couple more months, like it's, it's going to go away. So much false hope there. But Frontier Women's Health did this study, and 64% of new mothers reported a decrease in physical activity due to the onset of isolation. People aren't getting out. They weren't doing as much as they were before. Um, It was easier to stay home. It was easier to not actually do something to move your body in any way, which can also lead to some mental health stuff and some isolation. And and really, we're years. I, I really do think it will take years to know the exact impacts of people losing their jobs, losing their support, whether that was family or their childcare and those moments where people just were completely cut off and suddenly they were staying home so much more. The death of family members, that's something that I'm starting to see people for in my practice now is like they actually had someone die that was close to them and it was super unexpected, but also frightening. And then the actual increase of anxiety and depression over time. So it's huge. Absolutely huge. And then Jenna, our TikTok culture, you know, I love a good TikTok culture. Mm. TikTok. It's just, you know, but the, how we started communicating even more online than we were before and how so much, I saw a YouTube video pop up today about just my regular theme of a t- 25 signs that you might have adult autism. And I just cringed. I was like, please, no, <laughs> please go talk to appropriate sources <laughs> about any of these things. So like, it's good for the support aspect, but then we're kind of like taking it in the other direction and kind of like sitting on our couches, diagnosing ourselves and still not getting the actual help that we need. So, but I've talked to so many people too, who had kind of like a little bit of like anxiety that was probably just managed pre-COVID and that lockdown period, the isolation period, however long it lasted, it just kind of let them be comfortable staying home. And now it's kind of just all flooding in. It's huge. The levels of anxiety that we're seeing in like mental health post-COVID are 
are crazy. They yeah. are. It, it's truly crazy. I feel like to some degree it has caused a little anxiety in everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and more of that kind of antisocial side of things in everyone because we had to stay home. Yeah. And I think some of us realize it's easier staying home, especially with kids, especially young kids. We've talked oh, yeah. about this before. Like it's easier to stay home than go out to eat with them or take them out. Now we have Walmart pickup, Target pickup. We don't have to even get out to go get our groceries. That's so wonderful. Which is wonderful. Good things came from COVID, but now it's just much easier to stay it in. Is. It is. That that's my joke. I if I can avoid taking my children in a grocery store, I would like, I think it's so good. I'm afraid that they'll never learn the life skill of actually like buying their own groceries because I'm not taking them back in Walmart. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so bad. Oh, man. Okay. So when we were listening to your episode, there was a couple of quotes that really stuck out to us because you were talking about the whole kind of the parallels between our pre-pandemic lives like going to get groceries and not relying on store pickup, kind of changing and how that's so similar to motherhood. So one of the huge ones that stuck out to me was our pre-pandemic lives have dissolved. They are dissolving. We are truly, we are being remade even as we resist the transformation. And that's why it's so painful. Ooh, can you give us some thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first became a mom that I kept trying to cling to my pre my pre-kid life, like how I could just leave the house mm-hmm. without having mm-hmm. to pack up two car seats and, you know, the huge diaper bag and, you know, it took me 30 minutes just to get out the door and I kept thinking, "Oh, I just wish it was easy. I could just like pick up my purse and like go to the store and it wouldn't have to be this big production or emotional emotional upheaval." of feeling anxious about leaving the house because I had this, I had postpartum anxiety with them. And I think that I kept trying to get back to that place where I felt like myself. But the thing was like, I was changing. I wasn't the person I, who I've been before I had kids. Like my marriage was changing. My friendships were changing. Like my body had changed. Like my pre-kid life had dissolved. So when I, when I wrote that quote that you read, I was thinking of the parallel from the Mm pre-pandemic lives and how who we were in 2019 is not the same people that we were, you know, in 2020, 2021. And the way that we interact with the world, the way we think about health, the way we think about interacting with people, opinions about masking, political things, like things that we had never that had never come up in our extended family members. We had never thought about fears with our kids going to school. All these things that came up, we we went through a dissolving process and how we have been changed through that. And so I think a lot of times we resist that change because we want to just get back to that pre-COVID life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why it can be so painful is because instead of saying, okay, I am in transition and I have to move forward and it's painful. We make it more painful by saying like, but no, no, no. We just have to get back to that, the normal that we had before this happened. Absolutely. You brought up a really good point there too that I hadn't thought about before, but how everybody in our lives had such different views about the pandemic. It kind of parallels, at least I know my entry to motherhood. I don't know about you guys. I will ask, but I had 
a child before most of my friends did. So all of a sudden, we were the ones with the baby. We needed to be home at certain times. We had to follow nap schedules and bedtime routines. And we were dealing with babysitters and all of that stuff. And my friends could still just, you know, pick up their purse and go out to dinner. And I could not do that anymore. (laughs) Did you guys have kids around the same time as like your peers or no? My friends and I had had kids around the same time. Okay. My close, close friends. Yeah. Okay. So not so much that, but did you, how did that go for you, Brittany? I had kids way before any of my friends did. Yeah. We got married and I got pregnant quickly, <laughs> like all of our pregnancies. So I was 22. I was 23 and I had two kids and I was, st- I was, I had walked when I walked at my college graduation, I was pregnant. Oh my goodness. So that gives you a perspective of what, how I launched into my adult Yes. Yeah, so, so this so. must really be kind of similar for you and seeing how like everybody else handles things differently and in that same um, kind of space in change motherhood, like just in a totally different place in life than some, some of the people surrounding you. So they have studied some of the top stressors of women during the pandemic, and those all included the health of family members, especially aging parents, all the struggles about whether sending their kids to daycare and school was safe. I know we've talked about that so much. Uh, The unknown of if they were going to get paid, if they would be able to pay their bills and struggles with financial security, anxiety of going out in public, like for grocery shopping and other essential tasks, the judgment of others for the choices that you make, which is a huge topic. I know we've talked about that a lot and we will talk about it more, but it does seem like that's a big anxiety piece for a lot of the people that I'm working with now. The fear of making the wrong decision. And then that constant, I, I think this is the biggest one, everybody wanting it to go back to normal. And honestly, do we even know what normal is anymore? I think we spent so much time thinking about, oh, it's going to get better. Oh, it's going to mm-hmm. get better. We're going to get back to how it was that we never really got out of that mindset. Yeah. It's not accepting it for what it is. And this world is now changed. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to go back. Kind of that June of 2020 thing I was talking about where back then we just kept waiting for it to disappear. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the two weeks to slow the spread thing. How, what was that like in England? I'm very interested because you guys were more strictly locked down than we were, I think. Yeah. It, I think we had the last day of school on a Friday and then like in March, mid-March, and then they didn't go back to school until next fall. Actually, my kids didn't go back to school at all because I decided to homeschool. So we had this online school from March until June, and that was real tough. And then actually my my youngest son was in British school. So he actually went back in July for about okay. six weeks. And that was, a, that was a tough decision to make to send him back. But he was five years old and he was struggling mm-hmm. with depression. And I like spoke to a pediatrician about it and everything. And I was very scared of COVID. I was, and I was single parenting. My husband was deployed and I was thinking, what am I going to do? Like this child needs a routine. He needs to get out and see people. But I was terrified of getting sick and being the primary parent. And I'm like, what if I get sick Mm -hmm. and I can't take care of these kids? But I made a decision to send him back to school because I just saw him withering away. And I did not want his neuropathways to create a pattern in his brain for, you know, mental health struggles like now and in the future. So I'm like, I've got to make a decision for his mental health. But that was super tough. 
but he did. He it really helped him to go back to school. That's amazing. And what a testament to the things that we have to like all of the thought processes that we have to put in as moms and how this truly has not just been like we have to not get COVID. We have to do all the mental stuff on the back end of it and mm-hmm. think through all Jenna's a single mom mm-hmm. and having to think through those processes as well is huge. That's huge for you. Yeah. And and COVID I think made us forced us, not made us, forced us to make really hard decisions uh-huh. because we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. You know, we didn't know how to handle these things. I know for me during COVID, um, my kids went to live with their grandparents. So I want to say it was like a solid 30 days bes- before I saw my littlest uh-huh. and she was two. Yeah. And that sucked. Like yeah. that was really, really hard. I didn't see her take her first steps. Like COVID- uh-huh. Yeah, COVID just forced us to make a lot yeah. of a lot of hard choices. So we've talked about some of the things that we kind of like gave up because of COVID. What about the lack of community? I know that was huge for me. We literally we went into lockdown because our story was, and I've said this a thousand times, so sorry if you're hearing this again, but our story was you're going to have this baby in three to four weeks. And if you or your husband test positive for COVID, we will take your baby. We will put him in the NICU and you will not see him for 14 days. And knowing what I know and also having this was our rainbow baby, I was like, yeah, no. So we literally locked ourselves in our house. Jenna dropped groceries (laughs) off on our front porch. I waved at her through the glass door. And that was the extent of the people that I saw. And it stayed that way for a good six months after because he just, he wouldn't gain weight. So many of our family members met him through our front door. It was terrible. So what was loss of community like for you guys in England? Because you were locked down, but were were you living on a military base and still locked down from like? Yeah. So we had a kind of unique situation. Um, We were living on a military base. And so for the first four months, we couldn't even go to playgrounds wow. like they were playgrounds were closed and we had a playground like outside of our backyard and so the kids like we couldn't leave our yard we couldn't our, they like had water gun fights with the neighbors across the street but we definitely kept that distance and then the base because people were just languishing and the base made a rule that for people who lived on base you could have two other families that you could come in contact with and like a, okay. um, a social bubble. So we, um, there were two women that we became my bubble and that actually really helped a lot. So we would get together, but we really did keep it pretty close. Like we didn't go to church. I didn't even shop at grocery stores off base. I was going to just the on-base commissary and that was tough because a lot of people were shopping on base and so their groceries were out And I don't know, like we just, we worked it out and eventually I started doing more things off base. Like I ordered, I would order groceries when I could, but we didn't do anything. And until July, July 4th weekend, things started opening up. And so you could do things outdoors only with social distancing. So we started to like drive different places and we could do outdoor things. And that lasted for months. And then we had it, so that, and from summer until like about October, my husband got home from his deployment in October. And so then he had to be on quarantine again, like hard quarantine, um, like don't leave your house so for two weeks. And then from October to December, we were kind of iffy. And then December, like hard lockdown hit again Amen. in January. 
like hard, hard, like don't see anyone, don't do anything. And that was until about, I don't even know. It's fuzzy. Things started opening up again Man. in like June. And we started traveling again because we were moving in so, July. And, and did you lose your social <laughs> bubble during that last like six month hardcore? No, okay. we, we kept that social bubble on base. So, and if people were on base, like we kind of policed ourselves and we would see people outside or we only had certain people come inside, but things were more strict for people who lived off base. But because like the English authorities weren't allowed to come on base, like we were a little more lenient after that first four months when they allowed us to have those social bubbles. But I think that like the actual English people had a lot stricter, more lockdowns. Like people were turning their neighbors in for like, this person had somebody over to their house or like you weren't even allowed to drive more than 10 miles outside of your home because your license plate actually says like where you live. And so people were getting pulled over for traveling more than 10 miles away from their home and they had to explain like what they were doing. Like it was really intense intense over there. I I wouldn't have even made it to Walmart. I live so far out of the city. (laughs) I can't get anywhere in 10 miles. I can get to a tree. That would be terrible. (laughs) Okay. So community, huge thing. And did what kind of changes did you see in yourself with that significant loss of community? Did you... I think I leaned more hardcore on social media, honestly. I was going to say, did you resort to other? Because we, I felt like we had to get like really good with technology really fast. Mm-hmm. Jen and I were actually just talking about, we didn't see each other in person except through the door for months. Like, I was just, I was absolutely petrified to leave the house. I mean, it had to have been over six months. Yeah, it, I think it was before you started sitting on the porch with me. Maybe August or September. And we would eat Chick-fil-A. That, yeah. was, that was it. But like that was so – so we we started with – I mean, we talked on the phone a lot. And I did that with family members as well. And our work pretty much completely went virtual really fast. I feel like people kind of got, made that jump pretty easily. But social media took off yeah. here for everyone that I know. And I already was pretty leaning heavily on social media being overseas and wanting to connect with like friends back in the States or like my writing stuff. But that just became, I often thought like, this is my lifeline. And we did things like Zoom meets and things like that, which, you know, they're kind of a double-edged sword as far as like, this is a good thing and I hate this, but um, you kind of view it because you're desperate. Like (laughs) we had different things like paint night with the squadron. And so some, there's a one lady who was an artist. And so she did this little painting tutorial and we all like gathered our supplies and we did the painting tutorial. So I did that a couple times and we had other meetings. So there was lots of like checking in through messenger and stuff like that. So I think that virtually I was able to keep community going but we all know like you do I mean I use the word languish like you languish without mm-hmm. contact and so those two friends that I was able to have my bubble with like they they became close friends but I really didn't know them very well like we were in that like do you want to be in my social bubble okay yes but it was like, how well do I know you? Like, can I be, can I use my snarky sense of humor? Like we weren't quite, we weren't quite there yet. And so it was like testing the water because so I didn't know them super, super well, but we did become good friends through that process. It's amazing. So. Oh, that's so good. And side note, guys, one of the things that you must, you must follow Brittany for is her snarky mom 
recipes. They are the best thing. I just get so excited when you post one of those. <laughs> They're the best. Oh, the most recent one really had me. I, I can't even remember what it was now, but it was it soup. I think it was soup. It was. I think it was, was, chi- I think it was chili mac. Chili mac. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, you know, I, again, I have two children and I feel like they're always crying about what, uh, yeah, lunch was an ex- adventure today. So I I applaud you for even cooking anymore and not just being like, okay, everybody figure it out. <laughs> not doing it today. So another quote that I absolutely loved from your episode was, we're not broken, we're flexible. Motherhood is the training ground for flexibility. We've been in the goop before. So we have talked about this already a little bit about how this really is kind of like the experience of figuring out who we are as moms. But now we're kind of just almost trying to regrow ourselves. Like, who are we now in this world where you can get an argument so easily and everybody has a different opinion and very strong opinions about literally everything. So has this changed our perspective any on what's really important in life? That's a good question. I think that, I think for me, because life has kind of gotten back to normal, we've kind of gotten back into that, you know, routine or you're not reflecting as much. I do think that in the thick of it, like 2020, 2021, I was really, you think, okay, I'm so thankful for my, our health and I'm so thankful for, you know, the time with the kids. But I also think you can just have too much togetherness and you're like, okay, I really just need these kids to go back to school. Like that's my value now. Yeah. (laughs) But I do think that what I really come out of this is making my kids' mental health a huge priority for me and just really keeping like my fingers on the pulse of their mental health. And I've made very definitive decisions to protect that even more so than pre-pandemic. So I think that has, and also keeping myself mentally healthy because I struggle with anxiety and depression. And I know that if I am not mentally well, I cannot be there for my kids in the way that I need to be. And so trying to, you know, do yoga every day and take my medication and take my vitamins and eat healthy and try to sleep when I can and do all those things is paramount to keeping myself the parent that I need to be for them because I do solo parent quite a bit um, in this military lifestyle. So those things have really become big priorities for me as far as importance goes. You get a standing ovation for from us mm-hmm. because it is so rare, unfortunately. I hate even saying this out loud, but I think people need to be aware of it. It is so rare to find parents who are like, not only am I going to keep my mental health in check, mm-hmm. but I definitely want to keep a check on my kids' mental health because mm-hmm. so often people are like, kids have mental health what? They forget about it. 100%. Even when you said you you noticed that your five-year-old was depressed, I can't think of any other situation where a parent would have come to me and said that Mm -hmm. at all, even through COVID. And bless you. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us as encouragement to everyone else. That like, if your kid's having mental health struggles, that doesn't mean that they're broken, you're broken, or you've somehow failed as a parent. It's just another, just another thing that you do. Yeah. It just means you need more support. Absolutely. So, and that, yeah, I think that if saying like, I think a lot of times that people don't realize that their, their kids have mental health issues because mental health issues for kids come out as behavior issues. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I'm, you guys know this, so I'm, I'm not, you know, telling you anything you don't know, but 
you know, the tantrums and the big meltdowns and not talking and Mm -hmm. resisting and having crying fits or rage episodes. Like these are things that my kids deal with on a regular basis. And I'm like, okay, what kind of support do you need? Mm -hmm. And it can be, it's really hard to figure it out. And you just try stuff a lot of times, but I know that if I'm going to help them grow up to be like healthy men in our society, like I have to make this a number one priority for our family. So good. I did a presentation on this today. This is exactly my presentation. And in it, I mentioned like, I have such a pet peeve when people identify kids as having behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. This is just behavioral well, how else are kids supposed to talk to us? Like that's how they tell us what's going on. It's just our job to get to the bottom of it. You know, it's, oh, it drives me nuts. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you're so on it. We just have to listen. Just have to listen and and be open to that feedback. Something that's been kind of forming itself in me that I feel like is a positive change or something that's come out of this that's super important for me is that I don't have to explain myself to other people. And if they're not willing to abide by a boundary that I've set and they just want to argue me out of it, it's not really a conversation I need to be having specifically about my kids because we did have to stay locked down so hard, so fast for so long because Austin just wasn't gaining weight. And the doctor literally looked at me, the pediatrician, and she was like, he cannot get a cold. If he gets a cold, like this could be very bad. You could end up in the hospital. And uh, I took a lot of heat for that from a lot of different areas of life. There were a lot of people that just, and, and now it really bothered me then. But now I'm just kind of like, I have to make decisions that are best for my kids and for our family. And I don't have time to argue with people about it. If you want to argue, we're just I'm not going to respond to your text message probably. Yeah, I love that story because I think that the part that really bothered you was when you were still in transition Mm -hmm. because you were still trying to figure out what voices you were listening to. And now that you're like, I'm not even going to respond to that text. Like that means you've come into your own. That means like you're not in the group anymore. Like you have transformed through that process and you're like, I know who I am now. So I think that's a really good way of looking at like, I'm not in the transformation process anymore when things are like, I know what I believe and I'm just going to let that go because you can't even be bothered with it anymore. So true. So true. And I mean, seriously, people, I have a six-year-old who questions me about everything from the time her feet hit the ground in the morning. So sorry, not responding to that text message. Oh, goodness. Okay. So who are we now? This was another quote that Brittany wrote that is just, oh, it gives me chills. How do we honor our pain and our strength and the story that we would have never, ever written for ourselves? How do we move forward from here? Do we think there's anything positive that's come out of COVID besides grocery pickup? That's number one (laughs) on my list. Food delivery is also very good. Like, I need to move out of the trees, but you get that benefit. I do. Walmart delivery is the best $14 I pay a month. And Brittany, I live in an apartment on the second floor. And to have somebody bring my groceries up the steps when I have two little ones in tow is 100% worth it. Best thing ever. It's the greatest thing ever. So it's really not that they're bringing, they're like doing your shopping for you, it's that they carry it up your stairs. Oh, yeah, it's it truly is about the stairs. Like, I love that it saves me money because I won't buy like random things when I go in. Yeah. But the fact that I don't have to carry that up the steps with the children, with the children, 
because I'm the type of person I will carry every single piece of grocery on one trip, whether I die in the process. While on the phone with me about three three times a week. I'm like, you're going to break your arm (laughs) or your leg every time. So any other positives for us out of COVID? I think the ability to work from home. Yes. um, The telehealth aspect from like the mental health side of of things. I personally am very grateful for Mm -hmm. telehealth. I don't like it. It's not my thing. But that's that's another story. Um, but the ability to work from home, giving us that option. Um, because it does. It helps with flexibility. It mm-hmm. helps with staffing. And it means that even if you are under quarantine or if you're having some symptoms but you're not, like, knocked out, you can still work. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about not getting a paycheck. Right. In some aspects. And I, I would say almost think just that ability that we can transition, that we can pivot, we can change even in the blink of an eye, even if it's not comfortable – even if we don't like it, like we can do that. We don't just have to like stop. Mm-hmm. I would think across like a variety of, of areas is a good thing. And grocery pickup. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I think that COVID has made us realize that we can find community in really unique places and you can build relationships online. And I know people are like, oh, your online friends aren't as real as your real life friends. And that's just, like the pandemic has just shown us that that's just not true. Like you can trust people online and like tell them your deeper secrets and they like check in on you and you're like, this is a person that is with me in my life. And I don't think it re- replaces in-person relationships because you need that, you need that too. But those can be your people. And I think that that's shown people both the the legitimacy and also the way that people can build relationships in an online format. So I think that community building in unique formats has been a good positive. It's amazing. And that kind of bumps into this. So how do we find or connect with a new community if we feel like we have graduated out of our pre-pandemic support? I've I've seen this a lot. People just aren't speaking to people that used to be their best friends pre-COVID because they have different ideas on how they are going to mask, not mask, vaccinate, not vaccinate. I I feel like sometimes it's even which gas station you get gas at now can become an argument. And so much division. There's a lot of division. So you might not feel as a mom that you can still connect with your mom friends that you had pre-pandemic. And I know for you, you've had to just create a whole other community anyway because you moved. So what is that like? Well, first, it's been really hard, and I have struggled a lot. So I haven't really figured I, I'm i lonely. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just being really honest here. Like, I have not yeah. found a group of friends here, and I've lived here for a year. And I have tried and tried and tried. So I think that the pandemic has made it really hard. I go to the library every, almost every week with my daughter and we go to story time and there's moms there every single time. And I talk to people and I have struggled to build relationships. So I think continuing to show up is a really good way to build community and realizing that it can take time and it takes a long time to grow an old friend. And so for moms who are looking for new groups or new ways to connect, like go to a new place over and over again until it becomes your favorite place. And eventually you're going to keep connecting with the people who also made it their favorite place and you can Mm -hmm. build relationships from there. But there is a lot of discomfort and frustration in the slow process of growing a friendship. So just be patient. So, and also 
tap into new ways of connecting with people online. I have found a really good group of friends that I've actually only ever met online and we have an online, we have a Zoom book club and we meet twice a month. Amazing. Oh, that's cool. And it's more like a spiritual formation group. And so it's a place where, because I actually haven't been back to church since pre-COVID. Yeah. For a lot of different reasons. For a while, it was just social distancing. And now it's, you know, there's a lot of political stuff going on in yeah. church culture here in the States since we moved back. But this group of women has have become like my church. And I haven't ever had a level of intimacy that I've been able to create with them in the this context of this book study. And so we only meet twice a month. And actually, we're not meeting during the summer, but we're going to start back up during the fall. But I have really valued those relationships that I've been able to build online. And so I think that if you want community, sometimes you have to get creative and you have to be the one to say, let's do this and stop waiting for somebody else to like make the first move. So if you want something, sometimes you have to be the one to create it yourself. Oh, that's powerful. I was going to say, I think sometimes we have to maybe get out of our comfort zone. And like you're saying, you're, you're going to this story time, even if nobody else is really kind of jumping on the bandwagon and asking you to coffee or to keep going to like Barnes and Noble or somewhere else after. And I think it's super important that even if we get rejected in rejected in one realm that we keep trying in different areas too. So like your, your people might not be at the playgrounds, but maybe they're at the church mom's group, or maybe they're at the story time, or maybe they're randomly going to be, you know, in the checkout line of the grocery store. And it's continuing to put yourself in different situations so that you might run into someone that you connect with. And then also maybe thinking about how quality is better than quantity. I know something that I've really kind of grasped as I get older and have back problems that I was moaning about <laughs> earlier in the parking lot as <laughs> to couldn't find a closed parking space. I, I don't really care about how many friends I have anymore. It's more so I, I need a couple of really good ones and, and I want you to be someone who supports me and we don't have to share every value, but the important ones that you're not going to, you know, send me those argumentative text messages and, and then I'm good. Like, that's a good thing. So I think, I think as moms, it's really hard to make those extra friends or just making friends in general, because we spend all day taking care of our kids and investing in mm -hmm. our kids that it's hard to invest in another relationship. It's like exhaustion. So it's like, putting that extra step. And I will be the mom. Like we've talked about this before. Like when my kids have school functions, I'm the mom that's standing on the outside, kind of like, Ugh. I'm trying so hard. I don't know what to do. She has one going into kindergarten and one of my church friends is going there too. And I'm trying, I'm like, listen, you need each other. You got to have a person who's going to tell you that tomorrow's cupcake day or you're not going to make it. But it's just, I think it's that extra, extra factor that, you know, we're all, we're already investing so much time into other things that it's like, oh, do I really want to invest this extra time in another person? This is why our houseplants die. <laughs> we can't take care of anything else at the end of the day. So like, if we got to drag you, there's no, there's no room for that. I've been over here dying because Gray literally walked in my room. <laughs> And he noticed that the tree that's normally in there is dead. I just have not gotten rid of it yet. And he looks at me and he was like, mommy, the tree is dead. And I was like, yes, sweetie, the tree is dead. And he goes, you just didn't water it. <laughs> it's so true. Correct. 
I just did not water it. But you got fed today. <laughs> I watered you. They scream at you like your kids. They just quietly fade away. <laughs> oh, that was one of my more favorite things that we've talked about. That was good. Okay. <laughs> How did our definition of normal change for ourselves and for our kids? Oh, I feel like everybody keeps saying this is the new normal. And that um, I'm like, I'm like triggered by that now. I'm like, don't talk about normal. Don't talk about the new normal. Man, I think that normal is whatever makes you feel sane that day. And it's like, if I can work towards healthy for that day and do what works for your family in your situation, that's what your normal needs to be. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I kind of grasped over the course of this with a lot of therapy and prayer that I get to change my mind. Like since COVID started, I am very much a like routines person. I like for us to kind of find our groove and stay there and we can do it until I die and I would be great. But I don't think that right, at least right now, because I can always change my mind that I'm going to have this groove that never ends this plan and this list of activities for our family that we just stay in forever and ever. I think that we can constantly change our minds. And, you know, this week we might be comfortable doing this and next week we might not be. And, you know, we'll keep trying to go do said things with the people that don't send those text messages. (laughs) I'm a big fan of the phrase, this is not working for me anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that coming to that realization can be really hard because we keep trying to do the normal thing and then we keep getting so frustrated. And so if you can finally stop and say like, okay, I'm getting frustrated every single day with this child or every single day during dinner time, like what is not working? And then being like, I'm going to do something else. Mm -hmm. Like my son has been on the same medication for forever and he was just having He was just angry all the time and we kept, you know, having all these behavior issues. And finally I'm like, what if this is not behavior? Like what if this is severe anxiety coming out as rage? And I finally talked to him and I'm like, do you think you're having anxiety? And he's like, no. And I said, "I, I really think you are. I think this is out of control. And so we just switched his medication. And since we got him off his ADHD, stimulant and we got him on a non-stimulant like it's gone down like 75 percent like and so it was was saying like okay this is not working we need to try something else and if anybody has a kid with ADHD like figuring out their medication is not easy and you go through so many iterations and you try things and you go back to the doctor but I think this was a good decision so it's saying like this area where I'm super frustrated all the time, that can't be my normal anymore. Like something's got to change. So if it's not working, like figure out what does work and make that your new normal. So good. And just because something, something may work for a period of time and then not work anymore. We, we grow and we change and we morph and we get bigger and our, our weights change with medication. But you know, like so, so much of that is like a metaphor for life too. As we're growing, we might outgrow things that were working before, mm-hmm. and we have to find new things. I love that so much. Do we still get triggered by anything COVID-related that kind of brings us back to March 2020 self and like, oh, I think normal is a big one, lockdown. The feeling that we can't get 
certain things like shortages mm-hmm. and things. I think that's a big thing for people with anxiety and kind of like, okay, we're going backwards here. <laughs> I just think the thought that it could happen at any time mm-hmm. again, and are we prepared for it again? You know, that, that I feel like that's looming yeah. to some degree. People never talked about pandemics before that I read, at least I could, I could have honestly just lived under a rock, but now I constantly see news articles that are like when the next pandemic happens and that's not comforting at all. You're like, no, is that really a thing? Do we need to do that to people right now? I know. Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) We're not ready. (laughs) We haven't transformed enough to be ready for that. Yeah. I had a bit, I talk about this. I think I talked about this in the podcast episode. I'm not quite sure. But um, something that did trigger me was during the winter, my husband was gone. My kids had a snow day and they were all at home from school. And I had a major anxiety episode because I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like when he left and they were all out of school and they were doing e-learning and I was just getting like more and more worked up. And my anxiety also comes out as anger. And so I was yelling at everybody and I was like, clean up his house, you know, like all these things that, you know, I always Mm -hmm. resort to when I'm super anxious. And I'm like, I finally was like, you are spiraling and you've got to get out of this. And so mm-hmm. I talked, I got online and I sent a message to two of my friends, the two friends that were in my bubble. Yeah. And they don't live near me anymore. One of them lives in Virginia and one of them lives in South Carolina. Like we don't live near each other anymore. And so I talked to them and then that night I talked to my husband and he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, okay. And actually it was kind of hard for me to talk about because I don't know. You're like going into that vulnerable place. You're saying, I'm not doing okay today. And I'm be- I like, you were triggered. And he did talk to me. He talked me through it. And he's like, that makes total sense. It makes total sense why you felt anxious. Like you were, re- your body was remembering that anxious time. And because I was able to talk to my two friends and talk to my husband, like I felt better the next day, but I don't think I would have if I hadn't recognized that I was having like a COVID lockdown pandemic deployment trigger yeah, and said, okay, I've got to work through all these emotions that are in my body right now and get them out of my system because I'm just going to keep spiraling if I don't. Knowing where our boundaries are and where we need to kind of like pull the e-brake and go take care of ourselves, I think is one of the hardest things as moms that we have to kind of like figure out where that, that line is and then take the appropriate steps to do something about it. But it's always so much better for us and everyone around us. If we do, if we do take those few minutes and go collect ourselves, if we do go practice something that helps us calm down, if we do just like (laughs) my husband said that, as the kid, he was one of six and like, sometimes his mom would just go outside and she'd come back. She always came back, but she just (laughs) needed to go outside for a minute. And I only have two. And I get that. I I get (laughs) sometimes you just need to be away for a second. So it's so huge. So huge. Okay. So some bottom lines, as we kind of wrap up, Pandemic's going to be unraveling for a while, guys. We don't really know how all of this stuff is going to continue to go, but we do know that it's important to take care of ourselves and our kids, however the cookie crumbles. And that's through making sure that we're monitoring ourselves, we're keeping ourselves in check, we're monitoring our kids, we're seeking that appropriate support, we're utilizing coping skills that we know that are helpful for us. 
and we're trying to find community support if that's something that we're not experiencing too much. And then just figuring out how we can function currently, even if that means facing a new reality, if it means finding new support, if it means trying new skills, if it means enrolling in therapy for the first time, that's not a scary thing. A lot of people are having to do that right now. So, and it's, it's so beneficial. We're big advocates for therapy because we're therapists, but we also go ourselves and it's like the best thing that we do. In the month. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> As I just made my appointment today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's like so freeing it when is. you're like, okay, this is on the calendar and I just have to I make it to that make day. it to next Thursday. Oh, goodness. Okay. Brittany, thank you so much for being with us tonight. And guys, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but I met Brittany through a collective blog that she was running a few years ago. And she is an amazing writer. She continues to write and she has a book and a podcast. So where are the places that we can find all of your adventures online, Brittany? My Facebook page is Brittany Ming, the BAM blog. If you just Google, if you just search Brittany Ming, M-E-N-G, you can find me. I My podcast is called The Motherhood Metamorphosis. And if you are on Amazon, my book is called Unexpected Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Stories. It's amazing. So good. And I've started reading that. As all things motherhood go, I have started it 10 times, haven't gotten all the way through it, but I love the first few chapters. They're amazing. So I can't wait to get to the rest of them. And yeah. So guys, go check out our Instagram page. We're continuing to do polls on things that you want to hear coffee chats, which is our mental health talks about, and then just our regular podcast episodes. We are so glad that Brittany joined us again today. Yes. We are rooting for you and you can do this, guys. We'll see you next time.